0: Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Friday, September 1st, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Justice Thomas disclosing vacations, Proud Boy sentenced, and Apple and USPTO settle in smart keyboard trademark dispute. Let's crash into the weekend like a Tesla on autopilot crashes into a lake. And read today's legal news. On this day in history, September 1st, 1807, Aaron Burr, former vice president and notable shooter of Alexander Hamilton, was acquitted of treason. Aaron Burr's 1807 treason trial was a landmark case and one of the earliest tests of the U.S. Constitution's treason clause, outlined in Article 3, Section 3. The clause was carefully crafted to limit the charge of treason to the most serious of crimes, requiring, quote, the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act for a conviction trial featured key figures from the Constitutional Convention, including Edmund Randolph and Luther Martin, who were a part of Burr's defense team. President Thomas Jefferson, who was convinced of Burr's guilt, directed the prosecution. Burr was arrested in Alabama after being rejected by both major political parties, the Democratic Republicans for opposing Jefferson in the 1800 presidential election, and the Federalists for killing Alexander Hamilton in a duel. He had moved west to seek better fortunes and was involved in a plot to seize lands in Louisiana and Mexico. His plot was exposed when General James Wilkinson, a longtime friend, turned against him and informed federal authorities. Chief Justice John Marshall, a political adversary of Jefferson, presided over the trial. In an unprecedented move, Marshall issued a subpoena to President Jefferson to provide documents for Burr's defense, which Jefferson partially ignored. The trial hinged on whether Burr had committed an overt act of treason. Testimony revealed that Burr was 100 miles away from Blenner-Hassett's island on the Ohio River, where the government claimed he was planning an act of treason. Marshall instructed the jury to focus solely on whether an act of war had been conducted on the island, citing an earlier related case, ex parte Bowman. The jury quickly acquitted Burr, stating that he was not proved to be guilty under this indictment by any evidence submitted to us. Jefferson was so infuriated by the acquittal that he reportedly wanted to bring impeachment charges against Marshall, echoing a failed attempt in 1805 to impeach Supreme Court Justice Samuel Chase. Interestingly, Aaron Burr had presided over Chase's acquittal as vice president. The trial revealed the complexities and limitations of the treason clause, and it also exposed the personal and political animosities between key figures of the era. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas disclosed that Republican mega donor Harlan Crow funded his travel expenses for three trips last year. This is the first time in two decades that Thomas has reported travel funded by Crow, a Dallas real estate developer. The Justice also revealed that he sold three properties to Crow in 2014, a transaction he had previously failed to disclose. These disclosures come after a series of pro public reports earlier this year that scrutinized Thomas's financial ties to Crow, including luxury vacations and real estate transactions. In a statement, Thomas's attorney, Elliot Burke, refuted the allegations, calling them a partisan feeding frenzy and stating that the attacks were motivated by disagreement with Thomas's judicial philosophy. Thomas also noted that he did not report earlier vacations with Crow due to new rules adopted by the federal judiciary this year. He added that he had arranged for private transportation to an event in May following an increased security risk related to a leaked draft opinion on Roe v. Wade. Thomas also corrected previous omissions in his financial disclosures, including bank accounts and life insurance policies for his wife, Virginia Ginny Thomas. He stated that Crow had paid $133,000 for three properties in Savannah, Georgia in 2014, resulting in a capital loss for him and his wife. The disclosure has heightened scrutiny around the ethics and transparency of the Supreme Court, especially as public confidence in the court has declined amid various controversies. Congressional Democrats and advocacy groups have filed ethics complaints against Thomas, but no action or updates have been announced by the Committee on Financial Disclosure, which oversees the reporting process for justices and lower court judges. A federal judge has sentenced former Proud Boys leaders, Joseph Biggs and Zachary Rail, to 17 and 15 years in prison, respectively, for their roles in the January 6, 2021, attack on the U.S. Capitol. They were convicted of seditious conspiracy in an attempt to overturn Donald Trump's 2020 election loss. U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly's sentences were lower than the 33-year and 30-year terms that federal prosecutors had sought. Kelly stated that while he did not want to minimize the violence of the event, it was not equivalent to a mass casualty incident. Before their sentencing, both Biggs and Rael expressed regret for their actions, mostly with regards to their family. Biggs choked up as he spoke about his daughter, who he said needs him, while Rael broke down stating that he had let politics consume his life prosecutors had partly based their sentencing recommendation for rail on evidence that he committed perjury during the trial judge kelly agreed that the conduct of biggs and rail amounted to an act of terrorism but did not apply terrorism enhancement to the sentences stating it overstates the conduct at issue the sentences are among the most stringent handed down in relation to the capital attack To date more than 1100 people have been arrested over 630 have pleaded guilty and at least 110 have been convicted at trial for charges related to the capital assault the attack resulted in five deaths, including a police officer and injuries to more than 140 police officers. Apple and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, that's the U.S.PTO, have settled a lawsuit over the rejection of Apple's application for a federal trademark for the term smart keyboard. The dispute was resolved in principle according to a joint filing, although details of the settlement were not immediately available. Apple's smart keyboard serves as an iPad cover, keyboard, and stand. The USPTO initially rejected Apple's trademark application for the term in 2018, and its Trademark Trial and Appeal Board upheld the decision in 2021. The board found that Smart Keyboard was a generic term for technologically advanced keyboards. Apple appealed the decision to a Virginia federal court last year, arguing that Smart Keyboard was a distinctive trade name for its accessory. The company also pointed out that the USPTO had approved hundreds of other smart trademarks, including Apple's own Smart Cover, Smart Case, and Smart Connector marks for iPad accessories. In response, the USPTO reiterated its stance that smart keyboard is a generic term and therefore ineligible for a federal trademark. The case had been filed in the US District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. Representatives for both Apple and the USPTO did not immediately respond to media requests for comment on the settlement. The resolution puts an end to a legal battle that had implications for trademark law and the tech industry writ large. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email newsletter form. All of the links to stories we cover will also be available on links.esq.social, which is our link aggregator in the Fediverse. We'll see you back here on Monday. And until then, remember... Halloween and harvest season begins when you decide it begins. If you want to start putting up pumpkins and corn husks, go ham. Life is too short to have our seasons determined by the holiday Illuminati.